In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Out of a desire to love our neighbors well, to protect the most vulnerable among us, and to reduce the strain on the healthcare workers of our community, we have continued to suspend in-person worship service for the time being to stop the spread of this awful virus that's ravaging our city, our state, our nation, and our world. And speaking of the community, it's easy in this time when we're, uh, when we're all physically distancing, when we're all trying to control how often we go outside of our homes, to forget that we are part of a larger community. And so this morning, I wanted to begin with a prayer for the community around Oregon City, around our church. Um, you may live somewhere different than, uh, than the neighborhood that the church is in, uh, and that's okay. But the, the church is, the, the church at 819 John Adams Street is where God led us to years and years ago. And it is where, uh, when, when we are able to safely once again, uh, that we will return back to in-person worship. And so I want to pray for the neighborhood around the church uh, and for the community of Oregon City. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Holy God, we know that you hold all things in your hands. And we know that you created a good world for us to live in. And though that world is broken, though this world is flawed, it is still good and it is still blessed by you. We know that you have called various people to, uh, to different places at different times, that you have called people to uproot from their, the safety and comfort of the homes they know and go elsewhere, that you have called people to set down roots in a place. And long ago, you, you called people to establish a church in Oregon City, to establish a Baptist church of people who believe in you, of people who believe in sharing your word and living it out, of matching up what we say and what we do and caring not just for the souls of those around us, but for the physical well-being of those around us as well. And in the process of, of history and in the process of discernment, you led us to 819 John Adams Street. And Lord, though we, it's been a while since we have worshiped there in person, I wanna pray for our neighborhood right now because there are lives that are being lived there. There are people who are living and loving and laughing and mourning and grieving and struggling just like anybody else. There are people there who are worried about the spread of this virus. They're worried about the health and safety of their families. They're worried about the financial well-being of their families. And Lord, as our, as our Hope Food Pantry program continues to minister to people who are in need of food, we pray that as people are in our neighborhood, if they, if they have to go to work, if they are going to get groceries and they're driving by our church, that they would see even our building, 
as a beacon of light and hope, knowing that, that our people continue to lift that neighborhood up in prayer. We pray for the businesses that are around our church in Oregon City, for coffee shops and restaurants, for art galleries, for, uh, for little gift shops and bookstores, for the people who work in city government, for even the people who count those who are getting onto and coming off of the Oregon City Municipal Elevator. We pray for their well-being. For the businesses, we pray for uh, the financial strength to continue. We pray for city government, that they would continue to be good stewards of human life in Oregon City, that they would keep in mind that there are people and businesses whose livelihoods are at risk right now, and that they would use taxpayer money wisely to support everyone from the poorest and on up. We pray for, for those who are essential workers in our community, for healthcare workers, for, for mail delivery car carriers, for people who put our groceries into bags and, and uh, restock shelves, the people who before several months ago, we might've overlooked on a day-to-day -day basis. Lord, we pray for their safety and their well-being, and for their health. Lord, in, in these times that the daylight hours are shortened and gray rain clouds roll in frequently, we pray for the mental health and well-being and for the spiritual health and well-being of our community. That however we are able, through the leading of your Holy Spirit, that we could be a light to our neighbors, not just in the neighborhood around the church, but wherever your followers of Jesus who are listening to this right now, who are praying along with me, that we could be lights to people for whom all other lights have gone out. Lord, you are so good to us and your mercies never end. Help us continue to worship you in spirit and in truth and hold us together through the power of your Holy Spirit and remind us that you are Lord wherever we are. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. A couple of things that I wanted to point out to you this morning. Uh, our Zoom coffee hour is, uh, is back this morning. If you are listening to this before 11.30 a.m. Pacific time on the 24th of January, 2021, we will be gathering on Zoom for a time of coffee and fellowship. So uh, if you would like the link to that Zoom, you can email baptist.church at comcast.net and we'll be happy to send it to you. Also next week is the annual meeting for our church. It is the, the meeting where we uh, take care of some business matters, but also where we look at, at where God has brought us over the past year uh, and prayerfully consider where we might be going. The, the Zoom coffee hour next week will start at 11.30 Pacific time, and the business meeting, the annual meeting will begin at noon Pacific time. That's on the 31st of January, 2021. And so especially if you are 
uh, a regular attender of First Baptist Church, um, we, we would ask that you would attend that Zoom, that you would get on that. Um, but again, if you are interested in, in a time of fellowship for that week as well, you can email the church and we'll get a hold of you. If there's anything that you need, if there's anything that you lack, if there's any way that we might be able to be the light and the peace and hope of Jesus Christ to you this week, please reach out to us so we can minister to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who loves us and cares about us and is the very image of God's love in our world.
Let us come before the Lord in prayer. Dear God, thank you for your love and blessing in our lives. Thank you that your favor has no end, but it lasts for our entire lifetime. Forgive us for sometimes forgetting that you are intimately acquainted with all of our ways, that you know what concerns us, and you cover us as with a shield. We ask that we would walk in your blessing and goodness today and every day, that your face would shine on us, that you would open the right doors for our lives and for our loved ones, that you would close the wrong doors and protect us from those we need to walk away from. Establish the work of our hands and bring to fulfillment all that you have given us to do in these days. We pray that you would make our way purposeful and our footsteps firm out of your goodness and love. Give us a heart of wisdom to hear your voice and make us strong by your huge favor and grace. Today we want to lift those who are sick and hurting up to you, Lord, for healing. We specifically lift up Stacy Grout, Gary Hundley, and Roger Raycraft. There are also others who have been sick and still others who are battling hurts due to relationship problems, financial problems, and personal problems. We also want to remember our friends, family members, and co-workers that we are concerned about. Jesus, you are the Good Shepherd, and I know that you are leading them beside quiet places and are restoring their bodies and their souls. They are trusting you, and they want to follow your leading. Help them to welcome this time as not an interruption in their carefully planned schedule, but as an opportunity to draw strength and nourishment for the journey ahead. You are the great physician and their healer, and you have already started the restoration process on their way to recovery. We thank you for that. You have assured us in your word that you are our ever-present help in time of trouble. As you are restoring their health, may you also give them wisdom so they can better prepare their bodies so sickness does not return. We thank you, Lord, for the work you are doing in their lives, and we give you all the glory. Lord, as we move into 2021, I humbly ask for a special blessing upon our church. I pray for the church staff. Be with them as they are responsible for different areas of the church. May the Holy Spirit be a part of their lives as they serve you. Bless each member of our congregation. May your spirit be in each one of us as we follow his leading as to what we can do in order to further the gospel into the neighborhood in which our church is located. Be with our young church and those who lead them. Help the leaders help the students to see what life with Jesus is really like. We thank those in our church who are doing work that is vital, but their work goes unseen and unthanked. We know you see it, and we remember your words to your disciples who asked the question, When did we see you in need? You replied, The little things that you do for others, you do them unto me. Help us to be witnesses to our neighborhood and that our church can be a place of hope and healing. 
Be with our pastor today as he brings a message on Saul's conversion. Anoint him with the Holy Spirit. May his words be words that we need to hear. Open our hearts and our ears so we may receive the message. May our podcast be a blessing to all that hear it. Place it in our hearts to spend time in your word, to pray for the many prayer requests we have, and to be an encouragement to someone this week. In your precious name I pray, amen. Word of the Lord. The Jewish leaders rushed at Stephen and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. You will be handed over to the local councils and beaten in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell about me. Rescue me from my enemies, O God. Protect me from those who have come to destroy me. Rescue me from these criminals. Save me from these murderers. They have set an ambush for me. Fierce enemies are out there waiting, Lord, though I have not sinned or offended them. I have done nothing wrong, yet they prepare to attack me. You are my strength. I wait for you to rescue me, for you, O God, are my fortress. In his unfailing love, my God will stand with me. He will let me look down in triumph on all my enemies. Don't kill them, for my people soon forget such lessons. Stagger them with your power and bring them to their knees, O Lord, our shield. But as for me, I will sing about your power. Each morning I will sing with joy about your unfailing love. For you have been my refuge, a place of safety when I am in distress. O my strength, to you I sing praises. For you, O God, are my refuge, the God who shows me unfailing love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God.
Our scripture reading for the morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. And I will be reading from the New Living Translation. So here is the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Something that I think lots of people struggle with is the danger of self-comparison. We look around at other people <clears throat> and we see what they have, their possessions. We see their financial situation. We see their status in life, what, what station they have risen to. And we compare ourselves or we look around at other people and we see where they are 
and we consider ourselves a little bit higher up than where other people are. And so for a lot of people, and maybe this isn't your problem, and if it's not, praise God, but I suspect that more than a few people who are listening to this this morning struggle with self-comparison. And we, we do it most of our lives and we do it without realizing it. And, and in fact, I think our, our culture trains us to do it. I think we are living in, in a, a, a time and in a, a cultural system and have been for some time. This isn't a new thing, by the way, where people compare themselves to other people more than perhaps, uh, than perhaps they did in, in years earlier because we're a more social people. We see more people, we're around more people. And we might be tempted to even do this in scriptures. This morning we are confronted with the story of Saul who would later become Paul uh, as, as, as part of this process of coming to Jesus, his name would change and he would go from Saul to Paul. And, and he would write all of his letters. I, Paul, a servant of the gospel of Jesus Christ is, is how he frequently began letters. And we, we would be tempted to, in our, our faith in Jesus to say, well, I'll never have a faith like Paul. And, and we may sometimes feel as if we live our lives in obscurity. And if, if we're being honest, many of us do. There are very few people who, whose names are known all the world over and whose, whose identities resonate through history. Paul happened to be one of those people. But this is not primarily a sermon about self-comparison. It's a starting point because we have Saul and we have Ananias. The entry in the Bible dictionary set that I have for Paul, Saul, Saul, Paul, is pages and pages long. And research and research is available on the background of Saul and the life of Saul and the life of Paul and the differences before and after and his missionary journeys and his letters. And and he is the subject of great research and, and academic writing and spiritual writing. The... There is not an entry just for this Ananias in my Bible dictionary. No, this Ananias shares two or three, shares his name with two or three other people in scripture, including somebody else in the book of Acts. And we would be very tempted to to put this Ananias lower than, than Saul lower than the other person in the story. 
But when we look at both of them, there's value in seeing both of these lives. Saul came from a distinct pedigree and a distinct background. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul rattles off his, his credentials. He basically lists his resume. He says, this is who I am. This is, um, this is where I've come from. He, he points out that he's from the tribe of Benjamin, and Benjamin was one of the, the two sons of Jacob, who was born of Rachel. Um, and, and it was considered to be a, a, a prestigious tribe. Benjamin means son of my right hand. Um, and if you know the story of, of Joseph and his brothers, you know that Benjamin had a, a unique role to play in that. And that's where Saul's story begins. We know from this passage and we know from the uh, creative scripture reading that we just heard that Saul was a zealous persecutor of the church. His energy was to track down people who believed in the way, which we would say were followers of Jesus, were Christians, though they had not yet been, uh, been widely referred to as Christians, um, but he was looking for people who were followers of Jesus, and he wanted to bring them back to Jerusalem from wherever he could find them in chains. He was going to Damascus, and as we find out from Ananias, word had spread that Paul was heading to Damascus to drag off believers in chains. He had gotten a letter from the high priest to go commit violence. He'd already been part of a riotous mob that had taken the life of Stephen. He was there. People threw their, their cloaks at his feet. He approved of what was happening. And now, not wanting to get his hands officially dirty by sanctioning such a thing, the high priest had given permission to Saul to go to Damascus and drag away believers. The high priest had given Saul permission to commit violence, murder, with a letter from his own hand. And this was the mission that Saul was on. We know that Saul was a devout Jew. And at that time, one of the one of the ways of prayer that was very popular was to pray through the first chapter of Ezekiel. And in the first chapter of Ezekiel, uh, the, the prophet sees uh, visions of God, and he sees uh, visions of a chariot and of lights, and um, and there's a whole scene, and and it's it's not worth you know, reading the whole thing right now, um, though I will read a portion of it, because as they would pray through it, their hope as they prayed was that through devotion, through fasting, through pure living, through attention to the Torah, through worship, that they would be granted by God the ability to see with their own eyes 
this from, from verses 26 through 28 of Ezekiel chapter 1. Above the surface was something that looked like a throne made of blue lapis lazuli. And on this throne high above was a figure whose appearance resembled a man. From what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like gleaming amber, flickering like a fire. And from his waist down, he looked like a burning flame, shining with splendor. All around him was a glowing halo, like a rainbow shining in the clouds on a rainy day. This is what the glory of the Lord looked like to me. When I saw it, I fell face down on the ground, and I heard someone's voice speaking to me. And as uh, New Testament scholar and, and Paul expert N.T. Wright wrote, he says that, and points out quite rightly so, that riding a horse is actually a, a pretty decent uh, setting for prayer. And I, I, will, I will specify that as long as you know how to ride a horse. Uh, I have ridden two horses in my life, and it was two of the most terrifying things I've ever experienced because the horses that I rode um, seemed to think it was very funny not to stop or go when I wanted them to stop or go. But that's a story for a different time. And so he was riding to, Saul was riding to Damascus, and it's possible many scholars, not just into your right, think this, that he was praying through this Ezekiel 1 prayer. Because with the plotting of the hooves, and as you're going along, and if there's if there's not a lot to look at, it's it's a good rhythm for you to get in for prayer. C.S. Lewis once said something similar about riding a train. So as Paul, Saul is going along, he may very well have been praying this prayer and he gets to the end and he starts seeing this light and it starts blinding him. And Saul was expecting and, and hoping for just a brief glimmer of the glory of the Lord. But what he ended up seeing was not one that had the appearance of a man, he ended up encountering Jesus of Nazareth, crucified, resurrected, and ascended, and reigning. And Jesus comes out of this vision and into Paul's, Saul's reality. I knew I was going to do that at least once. He comes out of this vision and straight into Saul's reality. Saul falls face down on the ground. And he does this sticking with the Ezekiel passage. He does this because Jesus, we will find out as, as especially the author of Hebrews tells us in, in brilliant detail, that Jesus is the glory of God, made manifest in flesh. God with us, it's Jesus. And Jesus in Saul's blinding vision of the glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord steps out and he challenges what Saul has been doing because now Saul has encountered the fulfillment of the law. Now Saul has encountered God made flesh. 
Saul has been thinking this whole time that this God that he's been worshiping has wanted him to arrest and terrify and kill in his name. But instead, the God who was arrested and beaten and killed has shown up to Saul. And he's blinded. And he has to be led to Damascus. And I can't help but think of the words that Mary sang uh, that we, we, we have thought about weeks ago at, at Christmas time when she spoke that, uh, that Jesus would um, exalt the lowly and send the rich away hungry. Um, and the prophet, or that Simeon, holding the baby Jesus, said that he would cause the rising and the falling of many in Israel. And so here the up-and-coming young Pharisee, Saul, had fallen from his horse and straight into the presence of the living God. Another man we see in this story is Ananias. And all we know about Ananias is the following two pieces of information. One, that he lived in Damascus. And two, that he was a Jewish follower of Jesus who was listening for the word of the Lord. Ananias was a praying man. We don't know anything about Ananias's background. We don't know who his parents are. We don't know where he came from. Did he grow up in Damascus? We're not sure. We have a very limited biography of Ananias compared with Saul. But yet Ananias is in prayer and Ananias also encounters the living Jesus for himself. And Jesus says to him that, that he needs him to go take care of this Saul fellow. And Ananias, I think, is, is just about like any one of us. Um, I love it when you, you encounter people, everyday people, that you can, you can, you can kind of empathize with in Scripture. He had heard what Saul was coming to do. And if Jesus hadn't encountered Saul, on the road to Damascus, Ananias could have been one of the people dragged away in chains. And so Ananias says, hey, look, like, Jesus, you know, okay, but, but this guy, we know what this guy was here to do. And Jesus says, no, Saul is praying to me right now, and it's going to be okay. Get over to Straight Street. So Ananias goes and he goes to this house on Straight Street and he finds Saul. And the first word that Ananias says to Saul is brother. A lot of words applied to Saul, murderer, persecutor, Zealot, Ananias has just one brother. 
because Saul has encountered Jesus. And when you encounter Jesus, you become part of Jesus's family. So there's another person in this story. And that's Jesus. Jesus is in Saul's narrative and Jesus is in Ananias's narrative. And the encounter with Jesus changes both of these people. And each of us has to encounter Jesus on our own. Saul's encounter with Jesus was very different than Ananias's encounter with Jesus because Saul's background was different than Ananias's. What Saul needed to see from Jesus was different than what Ananias needed to see. Saul needed to see enough from Jesus to stop what he was doing, to repent of his evil ways in persecuting the church, and to follow Jesus. Because Jesus had a task for Saul. Ananias, on the other hand, was already a follower of Jesus. We don't know how Ananias' journey to, to following Jesus went. It was clearly not nearly as dramatic as Saul's journey, or at least we don't know. And yet, both of these people in this story end up following Jesus. And both of these people in this story end up doing something very significant. Ananias will go and he will release Saul's blindness. And he will tell Saul that you need to get baptized. You need to get baptized so that you can receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he tells Paul, Saul this, the scales fall from his eyes. Something like scales falls from his eyes. And Saul's baptized. And Ananias' role in the story is over. We don't, we don't see or hear from Ananias after that. But for this moment in this story, Ananias was the person that Jesus needed. And Ananias was willing to be the person that Jesus needed. And just because we don't know what Ananias went on to do doesn't diminish his importance. It just means that he was a common, ordinary person who was willing to follow Jesus at the right time. Saul had encountered Jesus from a dramatically different place in life. And he was a rising star, if you will, in the pharisaic world. And as he's going along to Damascus, he's been entrusted by the highest levels of of the, of the Jewish religious establishment at that time 
But then Jesus gets a hold of him. And Jesus needs Saul. Jesus has chosen Saul for this work, for the work of introducing the Gentile world, the non-Jewish world, to the fulfillment of all of the promises of Israel that came in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so naturally, to go to the, the pagan Gentile world, Jesus selects a hardened, zealous, uh, Jesus-hating person uh, and knocks him flat on his face and says, you're going to do this. And Saul obeys. And Saul is just as obedient to Jesus as Ananias. Saul has every ounce of obedience that Ananias does. Though their trajectories before and after are different, they're both obedient. And when God calls us, when Jesus is revealed to us and we respond with obedience, it is no more or less important than anyone else who has responded to Jesus with obedience. Christ is revealed in our lives so that we can love and serve Jesus. Christ reveals himself to us. The Holy Spirit takes hold of us in many different ways. Not everybody is going to have an experience like Saul. Yes, there are some people who have conversion experiences, so to speak, like Saul. They will be traveling in one trajectory in life. Jesus will take a hold of them one way or another and they'll do a complete turnaround to follow Jesus. And it's dramatic. And for years, I felt like my faith might be less than because I don't have a dramatic story like that. I, I grew up in the church. I never was, was far, I never felt far away from, from God's love. And so... As I, as I realized who Jesus is and that I wanted to live my life for Jesus, I just put into words what I had kind of always lived out. But I didn't have a big dramatic story. I'm Ananias, but I'm obedient, or at least I try to be. And you may be Ananias too. You may be Ananias that, that Jesus has taken hold of and called to be faithful through your whole life, but especially obedient at particular times. You may be Saul. You may be Saul who was going down a reckless road in violent disobedience to God. And then Jesus showed up in a dramatic way and turned you around. And maybe you've been able to use your skills and abilities and gifts uh, in really impressive ways. Saul, as Paul, would go on to write about 25% of, uh, of the New Testament. 
he would go on to write a huge chunk of scripture. And I can imagine that there might have been some people in, in the, the early church who tried to compare themselves to that. But it's not comparison that God wants, it's obedience. It's not comparison that God wants, it's faithfulness. And when we are obedient and faithful, and God helps us with this, this doesn't just come from our own volition. This is the work of, of Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit in us. But as we are obedient and faithful to our encounter with Christ, whatever that's looked like, Christ is revealed in our lives in the way that Christ, that Jesus wants to be revealed in our lives and to the people that need to see Jesus in us. Jesus sent Paul to the Gentiles and to the Jews and to the religious leaders. Jesus sent Ananias to Saul. There may have been loads of other people, but that's the one that we know about and what an impact it had. As you go through your life, there may be one person that needs to see, that needs you to show up in their life in the name of Jesus in a big way. And if you are being obedient and faithful to living out the ways of Jesus, to listening for the word of God, then Jesus will use you in that one person's life. And even if you don't gain notoriety or thanks for anything else, that one life will have been changed forever in Jesus' name. For the world 
The scripture we read for our sermon today was Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19, and it was the story of Saul's conversion and how Saul was traveling on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians when he ran into Jesus, when Jesus appeared before him and Saul's life was forever changed. And we read the story of Ananias and how Ananias also responded to an encounter with the living Jesus. And both of these stories, which are contained in, in those 19 verses, lend themselves very well to a spiritual practice called imaginative prayer. Now, imaginative prayer is, is kind of like the prayer that I mentioned in the sermon that Paul very well may have been uh, praying as he was traveling that road to Damascus. Imaginative prayer is prayer with scripture. It is meeting God through the story. And imaginative prayer works particularly well uh, anytime we have somebody who is encountering Jesus. So miracles of Jesus work very well. Uh, parables work very well. Uh, the parables of Jesus. Um, even something like Moses meeting God through the burning bush uh, in Exodus chapter 3 would work very well for imaginative prayer because we believe that God gave us imaginations, that God gave us our senses and our minds and our heart and our imagination uh, and our bodies to understand what people were going through in scripture. Now, imaginative prayer as we're going to uh, practice it today or as I'm going to explain it to you today, uh, comes to us from Ignatius of Loyola, who was a man uh, who lived in the 1500s, and he was interested in helping people come to know Jesus by praying through Scripture. And so, this sort of prayer involves praying through Scripture four times, or reading Scripture, rather, four times. And if you, if you have a prayer partner, or if you have uh, your spouse, or uh, somebody on, on Zoom that you communicate with, um, you can do this together and you can take turns reading the scripture for each other. And it, it begins by reading through the scripture four times. And you don't just read it, you know, wrote beginning to end just to get through it. Each time you read it, focus on something in the story that you can relate to, that you're drawn to. Maybe it is a sound. Maybe a sound is described in the story. Or let's take the, uh, the scenario today from Acts chapter 9. We have Saul who sees Jesus. He, he's blinded by a bright light and he sees Jesus and he hears Jesus' voice. So maybe one time through with somebody reading, or if you're reading this out loud, you can pay attention to all of the times that somebody sees something. Or maybe you could pay attention to when somebody doesn't see something, like when Paul is blinded and he has to be led the rest of the way to Damascus. That would be another way uh, to, do, to practice imaginative prayer uh, with this passage. But you read it four times through, and here are some questions that you can, uh, that you can ask yourself as you're, you're going through these, uh, these readings. Who are the major players? 
Who, who would you say are the, the characters in this uh, story, so to speak? Who else is there? What are they doing? How do people interact? What is the setting like? What time of day is it? What is the mood, the atmosphere? As you get into the third and fourth readings, try to notice more detail. You've, you've heard it a couple of times by now, and now try to notice more detail. Who are you or, or what are you? Uh, you can imagine yourself in the place of a person. So in this, uh, in this story from, from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19, maybe you're, you're Saul. Maybe you're Ananias. Maybe you're one of the people who helped lead Saul to Damascus. What are, what are some emotions and, and undertones that you notice in this? Uh, what are you doing, thinking, feeling? What is being done to or with you? This is what we listen to as we, as we go through the, the third and, and fourth readings. And especially as we get to the fourth reading, we want to be imagining ourselves in the place of that person. Uh, putting ourselves directly into the story through the power of our imagination. Now, we're not doing this on our own. We are going with the Spirit and following as the Spirit leads us. And once you get done with the fourth reading, please don't just jump up from your chair and say, all right, that's it, done, I've, I've checked that box for the day. No, because that's that's not the point of of this prayer or of, of any prayer. It's, it's not just to do prayer for the day. Prayer is to encounter a living God. An imaginative prayer is to encounter a living God through his living word. Because through the Holy Spirit, scripture speaks. And if we're allowing the Holy Spirit to draw us into scripture through the power of our mind, the power of our imagination that God has placed within us uh, for things like this, then you'll want to sit with, with your, your thoughts and your prayers and sit with the Holy Spirit uh, as, you, as you reflect on the readings that you've just done. If you have a prayer partner or if you have somebody who you, you pray with regularly or you discuss your life as a follower of Jesus with regularly, this would be a great person to share some of your reflections with. This would be somebody that you could call or uh, FaceTime with and say, you know, hey, you know, I was, I was praying the other day and I was praying through the story of, uh, of Saul and his conversion from Acts chapter 9. And this is what I, I kind of received from the Holy Spirit. And this is the sort of thing that's really good for us to talk about as followers of Jesus, because it is how God is speaking to us continually today. It, it, it checks all the boxes. Uh, we are, God speaks to us through scripture, God speaks to us through prayer, and God speaks to us through the community of other believers that we call the church. And so imaginative prayer, again, just to, to hit the, the bullet points, Invite the Holy Spirit and the presence of Christ into your time of prayer. Read the passage four times with the first time just noticing detail. First two times noticing details. 
the third time, beginning to draw yourself into the story more, and the fourth time, putting yourself directly into the middle of the story. Spend some time reflecting in prayer and in thought with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, on what you have just read and prayed through and experienced. And if you're able, if you feel led, contact another follower of Jesus and talk about what you experienced in prayer. Hear the word of the Lord. I, Paul, was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. May God be merciful and bless us. May his face smile with favor on us. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. May your ways be known throughout the earth, your saving power among people everywhere. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Let the whole world sing for joy because you govern the nations with justice and guide the people of the whole world. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Then the earth will yield its harvests, and God, our God, will richly bless us. Yes, God will bless us, and people all over the world will fear him. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me, just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God.
Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior Jesus Christ and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. We thank you for joining us this morning for worship. We pray that as we have read God's word, as we have sung praises to God, as we have heard God's word proclaimed, and as we have prayed to our Lord Jesus Christ, that Christ will have been revealed to you in ways that are encouraging, challenging, uplifting, but most of all, that empower you to go out and live the ways of Jesus, both in your own life and outwardly to the world that you encounter, whatever that looks like right now. If there is anything that we can pray for, if you have a a physical need, please get in touch with the church. Our website is onebaptistchurch.org. That's the number one baptistchurch.org. And our phone number is there. And there's even a form uh, where you can email us there. And we'll be happy to pray with you or get in touch with you. I'd like to thank Jeannie Vance for our prelude this morning. I'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our Director of Worship and Youth, for leading us in song. I'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for leading us in prayer. And I'd like to thank Katie Witham for leading the First Baptist Church readers in our creative scripture reading. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands.